you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Take your attention to the word of the Lord and uh, begin to wrap my mind and my brain around uh, what I felt that God laid upon my heart. And it's nothing new. Uh, It's not going to be new to probably anybody in this house, and uh, I don't normally uh, try to teach, but I'm going to do my best to teach tonight because I believe that there are some great principles in this word that I think that every Christian uh, need to take in and some things that we need to develop in our own lives, and I think that I'm just, is it all right if I take my time for just a second here tonight? I think that uh, there are things that, in the Word of God that sometimes we, we read but we don't really ingest. Does that make, does that make sense? Sometimes we just we skim over them uh, because we've read them a hundred times and scriptures that we, we get to as we're reading uh, our daily reading and uh, we get to that and we can just about quote it. We know what it says and we just kind of seems like we just kind of quote it in our mind and we kind of skip over that real quick because, you know, it's something that we know. But sometimes it's good for us to just to slow down and take a moment and to ingest the Word of God. And I believe that no, how, no matter how many times we've read a scripture or a, a passage or, or a story, uh, no matter how many times that we read it and we've heard it preached, I believe that each time that we read it and each time that we study it and each time that it is preached from the pulpit, I believe that there is something that we can take away from it. And so tonight I want to, uh, to cover what I believe that God has laid on my heart. If you have your Bibles tonight, Galatians chapter 5, very familiar passage of Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin, we'll read two verses, 22 and 23. And the word of the Lord says, but the fruit of the Spirit, we can quote it tonight, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And I read this and I and I think, can I be, be real with you tonight? I read some of this and I'm like, man, I need to I need to work on me. I, I need to love. I, I I think I love joy sometimes. Sometimes life, it's hard to have a little joy and peace, long suffering, that doesn't describe me at all. And so I need to work on that. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. So I want to speak to you, teach to you, talk about tonight the fruit of the Spirit. How many know it's important for every child of God to possess the fruit of the Spirit? We talk about, we talk about it, we talk about our... Um, our walk with God, and we, 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 we say that it's a journey, and we, we say things like it is a, it's a process, and we say things like, 
I, I've made it this far, but I have not arrived yet in my walk with God. Uh, uh, we say things uh, like, I'm not everything that I want to be, but thank God I'm not everything that I used to be. And uh, we can look back, every, every person in here uh, that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and has been baptized in Jesus' name, you can look back uh, over your life and you can see uh, different different areas of your life and you can you can go back to those times different memories maybe something jogs your memory uh maybe that car pulls out in front of you and you go scotty you go from zero to full throttle like that in your mind and it rem, it reminds you of where where you used to be and where god has brought you from and and just because i, I want to pause and just say that, that just because god has brought you a long way and just because that god has worked on you on the inside and God has helped you to develop some of these principles in your life. It doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle with any of that. Doesn't mean that <laughs> doesn't mean that when somebody does you wrong that you're not going to want to tell them off or have any real people in the house tonight or doesn't doesn't mean that when somebody is condescending to you that you don't just want to take a moment and be condescending times 1200 right back to them it doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you're not ever going to struggle from time to time with these things it doesn't it doesn't mean that there's never going to be a time where you're, you're not short-tempered it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a time where you lose control a little bit and although you're not proud of it that you don't t tell somebody off or you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that when these things happen, it doesn't mean that you have just completely lost out with God or that you're backslid or that you're not, doesn't even necessarily mean that you're not where you're at or where you need to be in God. It just reminds us from time to time that we're human. And it just reminds us uh, from time to time the frailty of this fleshly body and it, the frailty of of flesh trying to live in the spirit or the corrupt trying to live in incorruption if that makes sense tonight so we all struggle from time to time but we talk about our relationship with God and we talk about our walk with God and we we talk about the new birth experience and everybody needs to 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 be part of or have a new birth experience and we all know what that means tonight and and some of this I, I'm going to uh, quickly go over because I'm going to try to try to cover all nine fruits of the spirit of time allows me so some I will skip over quickly and some I will go in into more depth but we, we sometimes we we just say well it, it, it's it, you just gotta you gotta repent and you gotta you gotta be baptized in Jesus name and you gotta receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking other tongues we know that well and we we quote it and we say it time and time again, but sometimes we kind of, we tell everybody that this is what you need to do. You need to experience this, and we get them to that point, but we never really take them any further, and we really never take them and say, okay, now that you have experienced this, and now that you have repented, and now that you've been baptized, and now that you've received the, the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues, there are some things that you've got to develop in your life and how many know in this place and will be real that that not all these fruit of the spirit come naturally to us I'm not patient by nature I'm not but John I'm not long-suffering by nature I, I'm, I'm I work on it and I have to I have to really try and I have to have, allow God to to work in me and, and through me to develop these things. Sometimes, I, okay, I took my boys to get a haircut yesterday. And it was one of those, it was one of those days that I'm sitting in the chair and uh, my, my youngest son is hanging from the ceiling. And, uh, and I'm thinking, Lord, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to help me here because I, I felt my patience quickly waning. And so I, I, started, I had to ask God, God, would you just, would you help me in this area? And sometimes throughout the day in, in, in different situations, we just have to take time and say, 
God, would you help me in this area? That's the importance of waking up and starting your day with prayer. That's the importance of starting your day with uh, the Word of God, when we can ingest His Word and we can spend time in prayer and say, God, I, I understand. I understand who I am and I understand my flesh and I understand my desires. God, I, I'm going to need your help today. It's like the boy, it's like the man uh, who, who woke up in the, or he, he was going out throughout his day and he took time and prayed. He said, God, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you've helped me today. I thank you that, you, uh, that you've helped me. I haven't lost my temper. I, I haven't told anybody off. I haven't yelled at anybody. I haven't, I haven't shown a bad attitude to anybody. I, I, I've really been good today, God, and so I thank you. But then he continued his prayer. He said, but God, here in about 10 minutes, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm really going to need your help from there on forward. Sometimes we just got to take some time and say, God, I, I know that, that I, I'm going to have a struggle today, and I know there's some things in my life that I'm, I'm going to have to get right, but God, I'm going to need you to help me. And there's nothing wrong with admitting to God that we need help. And there's nothing wrong with admitting uh, that we don't have everything, uh, we don't have everything just perfect in our lives. And we don't possess all these things. But that's what I want to talk to you about tonight because through God we can possess the fruit of the Spirit. We can show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we can show others that the, the Bible says that that we will know the tree by the fruit that it bears. And when we are a Holy Ghost-filled child of God and we're walking with Him and we're talking with Him and we're spending time in prayer and we're spending time in His words, then these fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our lives and others will look at us and others that, that knew us before we came to, to, to know the Lord, they'll look at us and they'll see these things in us and they'll say, wait a minute. He didn't used to be like that, or she didn't used to be like that. I remember when she used to lose her temper, or I remember when he used to tell somebody off. But there's something different about them. I notice something in their life that's not what it used to be. So I want to talk about those things. But, but we talk about the new, new birth experience, and we talk about, the, talk about repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2 and 4 says it like this, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10, 44 through 48 says it like this, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God. Then, Pe then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed th they him to tarry certain days. We talk about it. We talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we talk about Tongues being the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. Tongues are a sign of the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. How many believe that tonight? But I want to stop here and tell you that tongues are not necessarily for the believer. And I'm going to explain to you. I'm not saying we shouldn't speak in tongues. I'm not, I'm not saying, Paul said, I, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you do. I don't, think, I, I don't misunderstand me, but tongues are not necessarily for the believer. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 22, we read, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth, or serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Why are tongues not the evidence, the, why are tongues not, uh, the evidence to the seasoned saint because tongues are a gift of the Spirit. Everybody say they are a gift. We read that in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 10. And then in Romans 11 and 29, the Bible tells us that the gifts are like as such as tongues and the gifts of the Spirit are without repentance. So 
what is the evidence of the continuation of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer? How do I know that I have the Holy Ghost working on the inside of me? Because how many know it's more than just coming in on a Sunday night and speaking in tongues? There's more to this walk with God than just the experience of the infilling and the refilling of the Holy Ghost. How do I know that I'm continuing in the Holy Ghost? And Galatians chapter 5 deals with this very topic in verse 16 when it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then in verse 17 of Galatians chapter 5, we read, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. Its lusts and its works are fleshly. The lust of, of the flesh, what we what we desire in our flesh, in our human minds, and in, in our life, they are, they are of a fleshly nature. And though it has its seat in the heart of every person in this building, although every one of us have a tendency to go back to what we used to be, to go back to the flesh, to go back to the old man, but how many know that there is a point that we have to begin to put away those fleshly desires and say, I am not going to go there anymore. I am not going to talk that way. I'm not going to think that way. But I'm going to crucify this flesh and I'm going to begin to walk in the Spirit. So how do we know? How do we know as children of God that we are walking in the Spirit. We know it because we possess the fruit of the Spirit. We know it by the, 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 what our actions are when uh, tough times come. And we know by how we respond in certain situations. It, it, is, is the first thing that I do, is it when somebody does me wrong, is the first thing that I do do I just go to them and I tell them off, I give them a little piece of what little bit of mind that I have, or do I look at them and say, well, you know what, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I, I'm, instead of telling them off, I'm, I'm going to pray for them. Or instead of telling them what I think, I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to wrap my arm, arm around them, and I'm going to try to pull them up to where I am, because every one of us at some point in our life will revert back to what we used to be. And so that's why it is important that we walk in the Spirit. The Bible says we walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And if you are a child of God and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, I think it, we ought to strive every day to walk with Him. I think we ought to get up every morning and before we put our feet on the floor. We ought to just take a little bit of time and we ought to crucify this flesh. We ought to say, God, I, I, I'm going to struggle today. I know it, but God, help me to get my flesh under subjection. God, help me to walk in the Spirit. Help me to have the right attitude. Every day on the, on the way to school, and it, it, it begins to get monotonous at times, but I, I pray for my boys. I pray out loud and I say, God, Help them to be a good example of a Christian. God, help them to make the right choices today. God, help them to make the right decisions. Let others see you in them. And sometimes it just begins to begin be, to be repetitive when we pray it day in and day out. But no matter how monotonous it gets, don't ever stop praying. God, help me today. Help me to walk in the Spirit. Help me to make the right decisions. Help me to make the right choices. God, let somebody see you in me today. In verse, verses 19 to 20 in our, in Galatians chapter 5, our text, but in verses 19 and 20, Paul details, I'm going to cover these tonight, but Paul details in verse 19 and 20 the works of the flesh. And then he begins to, to, to contrast, he begins to take, the, the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. And he begins to contrast them. And he 
he begins to draw a parallel between them and the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits are naturally produced or naturally occurring. They are a product of a new, of a new nature. We don't possess the fruit of the Spirit just by our human nature, but they are a product of a new nature. The, Paul said it like this, I, we, old things are passed away and all things are become new. We are new creatures in Christ. It's when we become new creatures and we sell out to this thing and we sell out to God and we sell out to the Spirit of God, that's when the fruit of the Spirit become evident in our lives. And when we begin to when we begin to be changed from the inside by the Holy Ghost, then our life begins to produce fruit when no fruit has ever been produced before. So we talk about the Spirit with a capital S, a big S. So the continuing evidence tonight of the Holy Ghost infilling is the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say it's fruit. And it's not of our nature. It's not Danny's nature, it's not Scott's nature, it's not Nathan's nature, it's not Isaac's nature, it's not John's nature, it's God's nature. It's not, it is not an earthly happening. It's not, has nothing to do with the flesh or this earthly life, but it has everything to do with the spirit and the nature of God. We read in in the Bible that the fruit of the Spirit, and I'll cover these real quick, they're love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The Amplified Bible says it like this, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within us accomplishes is love, joy, or gladness, peace, patience, or an even temper, or forbearance, uh, it's kindness, goodness, or benevolence. Uh, it's faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, or self-restraint. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. Remember the context of this list. It is a contrast to Paul's list of the works of the flesh. When he says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these sexual immorality, their impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, or flying off the handle, temper problems, their rival, rebel, revelries, their dissensions, divisions, envy, and drunkenness, and things like these when he said, I warn you before that those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to stop here for just a moment and say that if we do not possess the fruit of the Spirit, if we do not have the fruit of the Spirit working on the inside of us, then we cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it's either the fruit of the Spirit or it is the works of the flesh. You can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't possess the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. They cannot coexist. It's either one or the other. And if you possess the works of the flesh, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. But if we could just somehow walk in the Spirit and crucify this flesh and let the fruit of the Spirit grow on the inside of us, then man, ma'am and sir, we have a promise that if we just walk in the Spirit and we walk after the Spirit, that one day we will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's no, there's no hope for us if we continue to walk in the flesh, but when we walk in the Spirit. Jesus said that to inherit the kingdom, you must be born again of water and of spirit. The works of the flesh will pass away and be replaced by the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to cover these quickly tonight. But fruit of the Spirit, fruit, that word fruit is from the Greek word karpos, 
And that simply means that which is produced by energy of a living organism. It's a natural product of life when you're walking in the Spirit. It, 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 it won't grow. It won't grow. It won't come to fruition. Our lives will not produce fruit if we are not walking in the Spirit. It is the way by which the Holy Ghost reveals itself to us. The contrast in verse number 19 of, of Galatians chapter 5 talks about the works of the flesh and love and lust and how it manifests itself. But the fruit of the Spirit will be revealed when we begin to walk in the Spirit, when we are full of the Holy Ghost, when we crucify this flesh day in and day out, then fruit will begin to grow. Well, you may be here tonight, and you may say, well, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with, with the works of the flesh to, uh, as right now in my life. Well, good, you're in good company because we all struggle with time to time. But you need to find an old-fashioned prayer closet, and you need to do some old-fashioned fasting, and you need to get your flesh under subjection, and you need to say, God, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to allow my flesh to rule me. But, God, I want your spirit working on the inside of me. I want your character, God, to be on the inside of me. The first fruit of the Spirit that we read about is love. And love is simply an affection reserved for deity. Love defined, it comes from the Greek word phileo, which means giving one his due or his merit or that which is deserved. It is the exact. I want you to understand this. Love is the exact opposite of hate. How do you know? How do you know you possess love? How do you know you possess that fruit in your life? When you can look at someone who has done you wrong, when, you, when someone backbites you and talks against you and does everything they can, I, 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 we've all had it. I've had people... I've had people talk about me. I've had people try to spread lies about me, tell things that wasn't true. I, Danny said this when Danny didn't say that. But it's when you, in those times, instead of just giving them a piece of your mind, you can look at them and you can see them. Maybe they're in church with you. And, and instead of avoiding them, instead of not shaking their hand and not speaking to them, it's when the, you can go up to them and you can throw your arms around them and say, Brother, sister, I just want you to know I love you. I want you to know that you're very important to me. I want you to know that I care about you. I care about your family. I care about what you're facing. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? You want to walk the other way. The flesh tells you to not give in and to not, to not do those things. But when you possess the fruit of love in your life, you can look at that person and, and, it, and it's not fake. Hear me tonight. Anybody can, can spot a fake. My kids can spot a fake a mile away. And I'm not telling you to go and tell somebody something that you don't really mean. If you, if you don't mean it and you don't, and you don't believe it and you don't, you don't care about them, then you shouldn't tell somebody that. But it's when you have that fruit of love growing on the inside of you where it used to be, where it used to be hatred, or it used to be uh, strong dislike for an individual, or maybe it's not the individual, maybe it's something that they did. But when you can go up to them and say, "You know what? I know what you said, and I, I know what happened, but I, I just want you to know that I I forgive you. I want you to know that." I don't hold anything against you because I love you. That's how you know that you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. It may not feel good to the flesh, but when you begin to do that and you begin to walk in the Spirit and walk after the Spirit, there's something about when you can wrap your arms around somebody's neck and just tell them, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I know you're having a hard time, and I know that things are not going so good in your life, but I love you you and I wish the best for you. So love defined as phileo or there is 
eros love, which is a romantic type of love, and that is a love with expectation or anticipation. And there then is agape love that we talk about often, and agape love is reserved for deity because it's, it's God possesses agape love because we read in the scripture where, where his word says, while yet enemies of the cross or while they, while they did him wrong and while they crucified him and why, while he knew that they would not turn to him and why he knew that they would never live for him. They knew they were gonna, he knew that they were going to crucify him. Yet Jesus died for us. 2,000 plus years ago, before he ever went to a cross, he looked forward into 2019 and he saw the decision that was going to be made and he knew that there were going to be times where you turned your back on him and he knew that there were going to be times where you didn't live like you should live or I didn't live like I should live or when I, I, I showed through the works of the flesh instead of the fruit of the Spirit. But yet, God knew, and he, he saw, and he saw that mankind in general would reject him. Yet, he came and he died for us. That's agape love. We can't understand that in the flesh. We can't understand those things. Only God can understand that. But when we walk in the Spirit, it'll give us a love for our brother and our sister that we may not understand. That others would look at us and say, I don't understand why you act that way by them because I know what they did to you and I know what you know what they did to you. But there is something when you're walking in the Spirit that even though you don't understand it, it gives you a love one for another and it, you're not going to backbite one another and you're going to come to church and you're not going to not speak to someone somebody because you have all against them, but it's going to cause you to have a love for each one in this building. Although you may not be connected by friendship, by deep relationship, but you can come into this place and you can hug somebody's neck and you can look them in the eye and tell them with all surety, I love you and I'm praying for you and I hope that God does great things in your life. The second fruit of the Spirit is joy. Everybody say joy. Now, I about choked. Sorry. <laughs> Started talking before I swallowed my water. Now, joy here is not merely speaking of happiness. Because happiness depends on happenings and conditions in our life. Happiness depends on what is happening to us. That's why sometimes when things are, are going rough and things are not as they should be or we think they are supposed to be, sometimes we find ourselves in an unhappy state. Moms, dads, when our kids are back-talking us, sometimes we find ourselves in a very unhappy state because of the happenings and the conditions around us. But we talk about joy being a fruit of the Spirit, and it's when we can, when we can find at those times in our lives when it's not going good, when sickness comes, when calamity comes, when trials come, and they will. What, what did the pastor say one time? He said, there are three types of people in the world. Those who have been through it. Those who are going through it. And those that are going to go through it. Because we will. We have and we may be now. But we will also in the future. And what the word of God is talking about in joy being a fruit of the spirit it's in those times where it's not good and it's not a bed of roses and it's and and husbands and wives the honeymoon's over and you're going down the road and you're arguing over where you're going to eat 
Or when your wife looks at you and says, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Why don't you make a decision? No, why don't you make a decision? Oh, apparently I'm the only one. Thank you. But then those times where it's not all just a bed of roses, when you can just find happiness and joy in every situation. Because you know that it may be dark today, but there is a new day coming. This, it may be dark right now. It may be midnight, the darkest time of your life. But the good thing about midnight, it's just a few hours and there's going to be the dawn of a new day. It's when you can look in the Spirit that although you can't see it, with your fleshly eyes, that you know that there is joy coming because morn. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want to pause here for a moment and tell somebody in this place that your morning is just on the horizon. The sun is about to rise and a new day is coming and what you have been struggling with and what you have been dealing with, God is about to remove it from your life and bring joy where joy used to be. Okay, I'm... I'm, I'm. I'm, I told myself I wasn't going to get worked up. I'm, I'm trying tonight. The third fruit of the Spirit is peace. How many says I could use some peace in my life? Peace is a calm in the storm. When Jesus walked on the water and he walked up to that boat and the disciples, I, I just kind of put my, you ever read stories and you kind of put yourself in there and how would I react in that? I know what I'd be doing. I'd be in the bottom of the boat with something covering my head, just hoping and praying that it all went away. And he walks up to this boat, and the disciples are fearful, and he speaks these simple words when he said, Peace, be still. It is a calm in the storm, but it is not the absence of, of chaos and turmoil. I'm going to say that again. Peace is a calm in the storm, but it does not necessarily mean that there is not going to be chaos and that all turmoil and all calamity and all sickness and all manners of diseases have gone away. But there is something about that even in the midst of chaos, and even in the midst of turmoil, and even in the midst of calamity, when others that don't know God like we know, when they say, I, I would be falling apart, I don't know how you are keeping your mind. How, how many has ever gone through a situation, and you've gone through it, and you look back on it, and you just stopped and said, I, I don't know how I didn't lose my mind. I don't know how that storm didn't take me out. I don't know, I don't know how I didn't just end it all in that situation. But it is a peace that even though those times in our life come, and they will, and turmoil will, and chaos will, but it is those times where we can find peace in the Holy Ghost and say, I know that everything is crashing in around me. I know that the waves are tossing and they are soaking me here in the bottom of this boat and I'm hanging on to this life preserver with everything that I've got and unless God steps in, I know that it's going to take me out, but I trust that God is going to come walking on the water and that God is going to speak into my life and he's going to bring a calm where, where a calm shouldn't be. And people are going to look at you in those times and say, well, how did you make it through? And you're going to say, well, I got something on the inside of me and it's called peace and it is the peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. And I don't necessarily know how it works. But all I know is I got one hand on the boat and I got one hand in the hand of the peace speaker and he is speaking peace into my life. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to, how it's all going to come to pass. But I know 
that there is a calm in the future of my storm. Everybody say peace. It is a presence of tranquility. That's why that we find when we get in the presence of God, we can find peace and tranquility. When everything is crashing down, when everything's going wrong, when there's not enough money in the bank to pay the bills, and you got a house payment due tomorrow, or when there when the bank's calling you every day and say, you, you, you gotta, you got to pay something on this car and you don't know where to turn because we all face these kinds of situations and you don't know what to do and you just begin to, to, to cry out to God. God just begins to speak peace into your situation and he said, the storm is still there and yes, the waves may still be there but you don't have to worry about the waves taking you out. You may get a little wet, you may get tossed to and fro, but I'm going to come into your situation and I'm going to speak peace into you. I'm talking to somebody in here tonight that God is about to speak peace into your situation. You haven't slept in a long time. You, don't, you, ha- you can't hardly eat because there's so much turmoil in your life. But I say in the Holy Ghost right now that God is about to bring the fruit of peace to fulfillment in your life. And you are going to find yourself two, three five weeks down the road and say, I don't know how I made it, but all I know is that God stepped in and God brought peace into my turmoil. Hurrying tonight, the fourth fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering or patience. Everybody say patience. Simply means, literally means to be long-suffering, literally means to be long tempered, which for us that may not understand, that is the exact opposite of short-tempered. I just wanted to throw that in there tonight. Long-suffering is the ability to endure ill treatment from life and from others without lashing out or paying back. And this is a God trait. Because our human nature is to lash out when somebody lashes out at us. But this is a God trait that is used six times in Scripture in direct description of God when it said that He was slow to anger and He was of great kindness or He was of great mercy or the Word says that He was of great power. I want to tell you that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was saved only because God was long-suffering. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read where Paul says, and he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. The Apostle Paul, who did all these great things, who wrote all these books of the Bible, he said, I thank God that he even counted me worthy to put me into ministry. He said, who was before, talking about himself, who was before a blasphemer? He said, I was a persecutor. I was... One who liked to cause trouble for Christians. But then he said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He said, that was the old Paul. That was the old man. Then he goes on to say, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all except, uh, exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Then he says, of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul, he said, if it had not been for the long suffering of Jesus. If he would have given me 
what I deserved. If he would have looked at me and he would have said, I'm going to pay you back with everything that you did to me and you did to my children. If he, he said, if he would have only given me what I deserved, I would not be here and I surely would not be in ministry. He said, because I am the chiefest of sinners. Then he said in verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And I want to tell you tonight that being Christ-like means becoming long-suffering. We talk about wanting to be like Jesus, but we don't want to possess his traits. We don't want to get the flesh under control and subdue that temper. Or we don't want to do good to them who do evil to us. But if we're going to be Christ-like, which I believe that everybody in this room wants to be Christ-like, or you wouldn't be here tonight, so don't misunderstand me. But I do want to tell you that to be Christ-like, we're going to have to be long-suffering. We're going to have to look at some things, and we're going to have to put aside some, some things that people have done to us, and we're going to have to say, I, I you know what, I'm going to forgive you for that because I remember a time where that used to be me and I remember a time where I would have done somebody wrong like you did me wrong and I'm just going to go ahead and, and I'm not going to react like I used to react but I, I'm walking in the spirit, I'm striving to be Christ-like so I'm going to be long-suffering and I'm going to show kindness and I'm going to show patience to those who may not deserve it because that is being Christ-like. Being long-suffering requ requires forgiveness on, on our part. And the true definition of forgiveness is giving up all rights to expect punishment of an offender. Even to the point of pleading for their release. Kind of like when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know, they don't know who they're crucifying. They don't, they don't know who they're ridiculing. They don't know who they're beating. And, and being Christ-like sometimes means being long-suffering to that long-suffering to that person because they really don't know what they're doing because they're not like you. They're not walking in the spirit. But if we can just somehow get in the spirit of God and we can just become long-suffering and, and just let things roll off our back. And say, God, it's more important that I be forgiven than be right. It's more important that I show forgiveness to my brother or my sister than to prove to them that they've done me wrong and that I'm right. Being long-suffering is better than being justified in your actions. Because when you're long-suffering and you walk away at the end of the day and you're forgiven and you've been patient and you've done all these things, there's a certain peace, there's a certain tranquility when you lay your head on that bed at night and you haven't, you haven't crucified somebody with your tongue. And that's the problem with the world and that's the problem with us. And I heard Pastor Anthony Mangan said the problem with, the, with us is that we've got we got six-inch tongues slaying ten-foot giants. We got our tongues are wanting to, to slay people at every chance we get. We want to backbite them. We want to kill them with our words. But there's something that comes, there's a peace that comes when, when we lay our head down at night and, and we know that we could have and we know that we could have caused them problems. We know that they could have caused them heartache. But we chose to forgive them. And we chose to be long-suffering. We have to release others. We have to release them. We have to release them and our frustrations towards them. We've got to release those to God before we can ever become long-suffering. I'm hurrying tonight. 
Gentleness is the fifth fruit of the Spirit. And gentleness simply means kindness. It's an attribute of God that is most attached or most closely resembles long-suffering. It is kindness in the most practical of ways. In its very raw and purest form, it is simply just being kind. It is kind of like, to use a golf term, it's kind of like it's the follow-through. Kindness and gentleness is the follow-through of long-suffering. It is doing the right thing even when it's hard. Matthew 5, 38 through 44 says it like this. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Wow, what a principle. When they do you wrong, when they slap you in the face, turn the other cheek to them and let them slap you again. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, or go with him two. Give to him that asketh thee, and front him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He said two things that you can take away from this teaching. Number one is action. When he says to love, to bless, to do good, to pray for, for them, they're all action verbs. It's action. You've got to do all these things. These attributes require a literal manifestation of these actions. It's not just about your intentions, what we meant to do, but it's what we actually do. It's what we actually do in those situations. And the second thing we can take away from that is identify. Identify these actions that, uh, that, that God is telling us to use. These actions identify us with God. They identify us to others as being a child of God who is walking in the fruit of the Spirit. You see, Peter was identified with Jesus because the Bible tells us that his speech betrayed him. And I want to tell you tonight that kindness, true kindness, will separate us from the world if its source is rooted in Jesus. Everybody say amen. The sixth, goodness, which is integrity. If gentleness is doing the right thing, even when it's hard, then goodness is doing the right thing for the right reason. It's not about a list of rights and a list of wrongs. It's not a learn these behaviors versus these attributes. And it's not learn these fruits of the Spirit against these works of the flesh. Uh, so that we can be good and that we can appear good. It, it, because it's not us that, that, that who makes, we can't make ourselves look good. We can't make ourselves produce fruit. But it's Christ, it's God in us that makes us good. And it's God in us that produces fruit in our barren lives. And when God is in us, fruit, these Goodness and integrity and, and forgiveness and long-suffering, these things will naturally exhibit themselves in our life because they are placed in us, they grow in us of a spiritual nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become New. It's not who we used to be, but it is who we are as a new creature in Christ. I've got three more fruits, and I'm going to get through them here in eight minutes. Somebody say, help him, God. Faith, or 
faithfulness. Faith comes from the Greek word, pistis, which is translated as faith or faithfulness. Faithfulness is a foreign, I'm sad to say, faithfulness is a foreign term in our society today. It is foreign to so many in life because it seems like no one is faithful to anything anymore. They're not faithful to they're not faithful to their jobs, they're not faithful to their spouse, they're not faithful to their families, they're not faithful to the list could go on and on and on and on. It's not a term that is so closely attached to today's society. It's not, but faithfulness is, is not an, an instant thing. It's not a honeymoon kind of word, but rather it is one that is reserved for the silver and gold anniversaries. It is more, it's not instant, but it's more long-term. It begins to develop uh, more of a, of a long-term and a long-term relationship with God. We, we tend to get more and more faithful. Faithful people are known for their trustworthiness and their loyalty. And walking in the Spirit, it means that you're dependent on God's Word for your life's direction. As spelled out in Psalms 119, it means that you're dependent on God's Word to resolve conflict in our life as it's stated in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18. It's depending on God's word to overcome temptation as talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's depending on God's word in our relationships and our friendships and depending on God's word, young people, when we choose a mate for our life. And it's depending on God's word as we deal with with our finances in life. Proverbs 3 says it like this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. You may not understand it, but you just got to trust God's word. You got to trust what God said, what this book says. Faithful people, dependable people, committed people, reliable people know that they in themselves are wavering and they are weak. But James says in, in, in his book, in, in chapter 1, verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. you got to be faithful in your walk with God. you got to be faithful to the things of God. I, I want to go ahead and say you got to be faithful to the house of God because you can't make it without the house of God. I, I figured I'd get a bigger amen than that. You can't make it without the, the house, without your faithfulness to the house of God. You can't make it without your brother and your sister. You've got to show faithfulness. It's a fruit of the Spirit that comes with walking in the Spirit of God. Number eight, meekness or humility. C.S. Lewis said it like this. True hum- humility is not thinking less of oneself, but is thinking of yourself less. That's Humility. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Godly humility is simply submission to his spirit. Jesus said, he said it like this in the garden when he prayed, let this cup, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. John the Baptist said it like this, he said, I, I must decrease in order for him to increase. John expounds, and he says it like this in John chapter 30, that he, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. Simply, we, we shouldn't think more of ourselves than we should. We, not, we, we shouldn't think more of this flesh then we should because this flesh will kill us. This flesh will destroy us and left up to our own devices. If we walk in the flesh, we will eventually self 
self-destruct because it's the work of the flesh. But when we, when we develop the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit begin to grow in our lives, then suddenly we begin to think a lot less of ourselves and our own abilities. And we know that we can't walk this life alone. And we know that we can do nothing without God working in our lives. Moses was known as the most meek man of all in Numbers chapter 12. But he wasn't always known that way because we read in the scripture that he was in Pharaoh's house. He was, he was educated in Egypt's best schools and he was groomed for the throne of Egypt. He, some, he smote an Egyptian. He killed. He, he, he wandered 40 years later in the desert and it humbled him, bringing him to a submissive point of his life and bringing a submissive spirit into his life. And he was willing to endure the hardships of the desert. He was willing to endure the murmuring and the complaining, though at times even Moses failed, failed at this. He failed his own lesson in meekness because in an anger he disobeyed, and in an anger he smote the rock. And it was because of his disobedience that he fell short of the promised land. He was never able to enter in, but he died in the wilderness. But I want you to know that where Moses failed, God never failed. God never failed. He took them from the, from the desert into the promised land just like he said he would do. It may have taken a little longer than they anticipated, but God kept his word. I want to tell you tonight that God will always, always, always keep his word. Can I have two minutes? It's 829. Give me two minutes, and I'm going to finish here tonight. Number nine, the final fruit of the Spirit, temperance, which is simply control. The ability to choose the important over the urgent. Temperance here is translated from the word that means strength. To be able to have self-control. Not necessarily self-control, I shouldn't say that, but having Control, not willpower, not self-control, but the Spirit controlling us, surrendering to the control of the Holy Ghost, releasing our grip on our own fleshly desires and choosing to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5, I revert back to in closing to Galatians 5, 24 and 25. And they that are... Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk after or in the Spirit. Tonight, I hope that I help somebody to realize that it's nothing that you can do. and It's nothing that I can do. But it's the Holy Ghost working on the inside of us. And you ever start to question yourself, am I where I need to be in God? And you start looking at your life. You start looking, do, am I long-suffering? Do I have love one for another? Do I have meekness? Do I, am I, do I have control? Is the Holy Ghost controlling my actions? Is it controlling my thoughts, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the spirits? When you see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in your life, you know that you are walking in the Spirit. And tonight, as you stand with me in closing, if you start to see the, the works of the flesh, you start to see those things start to render their ugly head back up in your life, it's time to crucify it. It's time to put it away once and for all and say, no, 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 I'm not going to no longer am I going to walk after the flesh, but I'm going to walk after the Spirit because I want the fruit of the Spirit to be prevalent and, and, and uh, visible in my life. To all those that look at me, I want them to see God in my life. Come on tonight, raise your hands all over this building. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the fruit of the Spirit, God, that we can judge our, 
our relationship with you by God, that we can look and, and know that when we see the fruit manifest in our life, God, that we are where we need to be. We are making, we may not be exactly where we need to be, God, but we know that we are striving to walk after your spirit. God, help us day in and day out to crucify this rotten, filthy, sinful flesh, God. Help us to put it under subjection to the Spirit, God, and allow fruit to grow in our lives and let others see you in us. God, go with us from this place. God, be with us. Be with all those traveling uh, this week. God, give safe travel to Pastor and Sister Jordan and their family. God, I pray that you be with those that are here tonight. God, be with them the remainder of this week. God, and bring us back on Sunday ready to worship and to magnify you with the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. In Jesus' name.